Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. <sighs> are you sad, Justin? Why are you sighing like that? Well, Sid, it's a tough day, isn't it? It's a tough day? It's a hard day. Uh, today, May 11th, 2015, 16. It's 16. It's definitely 2016. 16 marks the end. This is the end of the combo. It was too much pressure, frankly, Justin. The combo, friends, has seen us through. Let's just go through it one more time. What's the first one? <laughs> Great. Good. I'm glad we remembered Hemophilia? that. Hemophilia? Hemophilia was the first one, which led to, was that hydrogen peroxide? Hydrogen peroxide. No. Mm, no. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And yeah. then ear wax and then ear aches. And then yes, hemophilia, hydrogen peroxide, earwax, earaches, goofiest medical questions because we had a hard week, and then tinnitus continuing the combo. But now the combo is well and truly. It was too much pressure, guys. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know how, like, I'm sure, Justin, you can relate to this. You know how, like, you didn't get, you, you didn't get, any bees all the way through school and you were in your junior year of college and you still had not never gotten a B and you just kept thinking like, Oh my gosh, at some point in my life, I'm going to get a B and I'm going to break my perfect streak of A's. And then my whole world is going to collapse. Yeah. Uh, I think we've all had that exact line of thought with that exact level of intensity. And then in your junior year of college, maybe you finally got that first B. Maybe it was your only B. Maybe that's anybody can ever say about you is that it was your only B, but maybe then you finally got it. And it was a little bit of a relief. Yeah, I can understand. So, the, so this Maybe marks, you don't still think about it every night when you try to close your eyes. Uh, this marks the end of the combo. What, is, uh, what does that mean for us, Sydney? What are we turning to today? Something totally bizarre. Not <laughs> you are looking very self-satisfied. Why Why are you looking so self-satisfied? Because it's Bezoars, which sounds like bizarre. Whoops-a-daisy. Okay, that's fine, I guess. that I'll, I'll allow it. Um, uh, Bezoar. Or I think some people say Bezoar. Bezoar. What is... Bezoars. I, I have no idea. What's a Bezoar? You don't know what they are? You've read Harry Potter. You know what they are. Is that a Horcrux? Nope. Nope. No. Not a Horcrux. Not a thing. What like is in it? real life. What is it? Okay. So first of all, thank you, Corin, for recommending this topic. 
Um, I think Bezoars are super cool and I'm really excited to talk about them. So I don't think anybody's going to be too mad that we broke our streak. They sound very magical, don't they? Uh, yeah, they have a kind of fantastical. I guess I could grant you that. I would, I would go ahead and posit that they are not magical. I well, would say that, that seems like a fair bet. I would say that they are what many, many humans might refer to as gross. But not magical. No, but not me either. But then we've already established I have issues. So a bezoar is a collection of undigested or inedible material of some sort, some kind of material that is kind of found in a lump in the GI tract of either a human or an animal. Like a hairball? Yeah, a hairball is one example of a bezoar. Oh, that is one? Yeah. Okay. Like a big mass, big lump of something that you can't digest or you probably shouldn't have ate, eaten in the first place. And it's just sitting there, usually in your stomach, but it can be anywhere in the GI tract. And like I said, we can find it in, in humans or in any creature, really. Is it a tumor? No. So how, how would you say that? <laughs> it's, it's not a tumor, Justin. Uh, one more time. Let's take another pass at that. Really? Is this really? Yeah, really? we're just going to need you to brighten up the A. It's, it's not a, a tumor. It's kind of a dark A. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Love it. So they can be named based on what's in them. So you mentioned a hairball. Right. We would probably call that a trichobezoar. No, I think we'd probably call it a hairball, <laughs> as we've established in the preceding three minutes of this program and also... Uh, hundreds of years of human history. Although, let Probably me say this. Call it a hairball. <laughs> I don't know if like it distinguishes itself from a hairball in that like hairballs I usually find on the carpet after the cats have like hocked them up and a trichobezoar in theory you wouldn't find on the carpet because it's still in the stomach. Well, unless so we... it's sort of like a meteor and a meteorite, you know? Let's, let's also get like super, super, super honest about hairballs. That's a very sweet name. It's vomit. It's hair vomit <laughs> that they puked up all over everything. Which is something different because some of that vomit may have been digestible. Right. But it just got mixed up with the puke on the way out, I guess. Because they had the everything in there. Yeah. There's also phytobezoars, which are made of... Dogs. No. What? Phyto. Ah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, P-H-Y. Phyto. Oh. They're made of plant stuff. Okay. Uh, and then there's a trichophytobezoar. Can you guess that one? I don't one? have a funny, funny thing for that. It's hair, hair and plants, both. A little bit of everything. There's also like lactobezoars, which are like milk, um, especially in like neonates that can't necessarily digest milk yet. And then there's pharmacobezoars, which are usually when people take too many of like sustained release pills and all those like sustained release capsules kind of form this ball of undigested yeah. capsule pill material in the stomach. Gross. A rune. It's a I pharmacobezoar. Yep. The word, though, like bezoar. those Dexatrim pills that have all the little... I used to love the look of... <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to love pills that had, like, the tiny little pills inside of it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, what? <laughs> you know, pills the pills that, that have pills inside of them? Pills that have, like, tiny little... They're filled with like tiny little pills. Did you do a lot of pills when you were a kid? No, I just like the way they look. Like Dexatrim, ironically, always used to make me hungry for candy. You mean like capsules that are filled with the little dissolvable bits yeah. of material? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I guess I'm taking a little bit of license by saying I, they're tiny pills, but I mean, they're tiny pills. I don't think they're tiny pills. I mean, it's a pill. Do you swallow them? Are they medicine? 
Are they small, solid objects? Yeah, but in, by that definition, you can make nerds pills. Are they medicine? Okay, <laughs> that was the third. Sorry, Doc. <laughs> Have nerds been medicine this whole time? Okay, well, no, that's fair. I, I missed that criteria. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist that was going to be. I could use some you're gonna nerds. You're going to get your money's worth of this episode. Nerds are medicine. The word... Says a doctor. The word bezoar comes from either the Arabic word badzir or the Persian word panzir. Either way, these words refer to like an antidote or a counterpoison. Which is really interesting. That's, yeah, what's well, odd? Well, this is because we used to take these lumps or balls or collections of hair or husk or vegetable matter or whatever, some sort of matter, and uh, we would give them to people to ingest as cures for poisoning. Like for a really long time in history, we did this. Um, gross. So, yeah. So I'm going to tell you about this. We we have found bezoars in animals for a really long time, and we didn't quite know what to make of them initially. Um, and I, this is probably just by like the fact that we were killing and eating animals, and mm-hmm. or animals died, and we would just find these odd things kind of hanging around afterwards. Uh, there were theories, like really strange theories, that I read initially of like where could these have come from, which especially is strange when you consider that they were probably often found inside a stomach. Mm-hmm. But I guess these these weren't necessarily because one theory is that like maybe if a deer ate a snake, and then that deer got stuck in some muddy water. And so as it was like sinking into the muddy water and dying, it started crying. And then those tears of this deer that ate the snake that's sinking into the muddy water became bezoars. Okay. Which I just keep picturing that scene from Neverending Story. Oh, with a... A Atreyu Atreyu and Artax. Ugh, heartbreaking. I know. But I I was traumatized by that. It was rough. That was rough. I was just a little kid. It's okay at the end, though. Mm, okay. It's all okay. Don't worry. But I, but in this situation, the deer would cry and the tears would become bezoars, which seems a little more far-fetched than we found this lump of hair in a stomach. Yeah, but who wants to tell that story? They, they also thought it may be just the animal's natural defense against poisoning. They would catch it up in a ball of hair. Exactly. So like the, they find these balls of stuff and they're like, ah, this is all the poison the animal ingested, which is just now all stuck in this ball. And so it didn't die. It died yeah. for another reason, because we killed it and ate it. <laughs> right. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Pass uh, the more animal, please. Uh, the, we find mention of the term, the word bezoar, when we go all the way back to our buddy Pliny's time, Pliny the Elder. But it's fair to say that even when he talks about bezoars, he only does so in referencing the, what he calls the Persian word. So oh, he's already right. saying, like, this isn't something from my medical tradition or something I really understand or know much about. I'm just kind of stealing this from, like, the Arabic tradition of medicine. Okay. Um, we know that the use of bezoars for medicine dates back to at least the 1100s. Okay. Um, and by the 1200s, they'd be, it'd become pretty widespread. Uh, mainly the kind of bezoars that you might use for medicine. I'm going to tell you some of the uses, mainly counterpoisons, but there's some other things they were used for too. Uh, the ones that were highly prized were taken from cows and goats usually that started throughout Asia and then spread over. And, th- and by the 1200s, most of Europe was also trying this out as well. Um, and the way that you could use them, and they would be called bezoars or bezoar stones, and you could either 
put them into a glass of like water or wine and then just drink the liquid. But that mm-hmm. really wasn't thought to be as effective as either like scraping it and dissolving it into some liquid and drinking it. Yeah. Um, or I guess just swallowing the whole thing uh, in the worst case scenario. What a what a wonderful example of really using using every part of the buffalo. I mean, we're, I mean, literally, I guess in this case, but uh, really, just not want to let anything go to waste, huh? Well, we did really great, Bob. Anything left over there? Well, there's a chunk of hair. There's a big ball of hair, undigested um, hair. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's for poison. That's, that's for poison. That's medicine. That's grab a medicine it. right there. You grab it. I don't want to grab it. I've <laughs> I've grabbed so many. Grab I just it wanna... and put it in this leather sack, and I'll carry it around on my hip. <laughs> that won't freak people out. I know how to make friends. <laughs> it was also used uh, during plague times for um, for treatment of plague victims, and that sure. that also be- made it. Uh, more widespread and more popular, um, as well as for envenomations. So, like, if a snake or something bit you, oh, okay, you may be told, like, well, I'll just get a bazoar. You know, go what find ha- a bazoar. Why? Uh, like I said, part of the theory was that it was the animal's natural defense against poisoning and and then they would look at some of the foods like one of the things we're going to talk a little bit about are porcupine bazoars and and part of the theory as to why porcupine bazoars would eventually become so highly prized was because porcupines ate a lot of like really bitter food Mm. and a lot of like tough plants that humans wouldn't want to eat and so the thought was like if they can eat that they must have in their hair. In their must stomach really hairballs. Yeah, their stomach hairballs must be really tough. Sure. And so they're really okay. good at counteracting poisons. All right, humans. I'm sorry. I'm not seeing where you're coming from on this one. Um, the use of these was was spread a huge amount through the Crusades, but also by trade routes because these became very popular items for trading. They were they were very expensive. Sure, they're shelf, shelf stable, which is nice. Yeah, and they were and they weren't easy necessarily to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you would pay a pretty penny if you wanted a bezoar and they were main and they were highly prized by the courts of Europe. And so this was definitely something, you know, if you were a noble, if, uh, you know, this was something a king or a queen would want easily at their disposal, right. you know, that if you were a well-to-do medicine man at the time, you would probably want to have these in your arsenal to, to you know, cater to your richer clients for sure. Yeah. Um, and as a result of this, like with anything else, fake bezoars started appearing on the market. I was actually just sitting here wondering why more people weren't doing that. They don't work anyway. So like, what's the, what's the difference? No, exactly. They, there was, and because of the kinds of materials they're made of, you could imagine they were really easy to fake. Yeah, of course. It's, it's just like hair, hair and straw and vegetable stuff and yeah. whatever. And you just kind of mash it into a ball and done. There you go. Yeah. You, you got a bezoar and you're right. Since they weren't going to work. Who knew anything? Who's going to catch it? Yeah. Uh, so you begin to find like at this point in time, like Bezoar experts popping up here and there who like could describe to you what a, what a nor like what a real Bezoar from various animals looked like. For instance, like if you're going to get a real Bezoar from a goat, it should be aubergine. Okay. Now, why is that? That's just the color that goat Bezoars should be. All right. I'll, okay. <laughs> so there you go. So if somebody tells you it's a goat Bezoar and it's not aubergine, you should be suspicious. Yeah. I'll try to keep that in mind. <laughs> and they were used a lot too in medicine. If you look at a lot of the recipes and, and kind of like potions or, or, or whatever for uh, bezoars at this point in history, you'll see that they're 
paired with unicorn horns, which gave me a huge pause because I was like, yeah. is all of this made up then? Hold on. I've been reading all of these accounts of Bezoars and now we're mentioning unicorn horns. And so like I'm thinking like this is all fiction. I've been yeah. tricked. It's been a Pierce Anthony book this whole time. But what <laughs> I but I think a lot of people probably get get confused occasionally as to whether or not unicorns are real like they realize that they're not but like they don't instantly remember that they're not you know what i mean sometimes it takes them a little while does is that would you say that's a personal problem justin you know that moment between sleep and awake when you can still remember your dreams yeah it's that, the moment that i sit and wonder about that one b that i got in college yeah <laughs> <laughs> unicorn horns were probably goat horns oh uh, okay just so you know just taped on there <laughs> and I think people knew like I think I don't think this was like a mass like delusion like oh get that horn off that goat it's a unicorn horn all of a sudden like yeah. I, I mean I think people do um, in India they were used they had other uses as well as like I said for for counter poisons and antidotes which is by the way I, I should mention that is part of why they were so popular among royalty mm-hmm. is because they were poisoning. Yeah, they were trying yeah. to off each other all the time, right? Yeah, Isn't Game that of what, Thrones. I was gonna say that's what Game of Thrones is all about. I think. Yeah, constantly. probably that and dragons and winter. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the whole all show. the you got all the yeah you got all the big big points. Are there Bezoars in it? Uh, not that I've seen, but maybe behind the, behind the scenes or <laughs> scenes, you know. Because if any of them are getting poisoned, they should probably just have some Bezoars. I mean, they probably shouldn't because they're fake and don't work. So <laughs> it's kind of their own discretion, I guess. In India, they also use them for depression or any kind of melancholic disorder. You could use it like a basoar. Um, if you had bleeding problems, you may be prescribed a basoar. Fevers. Um, and, and they would often be used even almost like a tonic or like a preventive measure, like for vigor. Uh, rich people would often just dissolve one in a drink like twice a year, like to take their like biannual tonic. Ugh, not something I'd look forward to. Of basoar. It was sort of like a, like a flu shot almost. Yeah. Like, did you, it's winter. Did you drink, drink your, your basoar yet? <laughs> um, except afterwards you puked a lot. Sure. Which is not at all like a flu shot. No. Um, one, as I mentioned, the porcupine bezoar became very popular at this time and was very highly prized. It was described as, because you need to know, right? You need to know what it looks like so you don't get tricked. Yeah, you don't want to get a scam run on you. A porcupine bezoar would be small, vermilion, clear. It would have a very bitter taste and a feel. It would feel in your hand, much like French soap. Um, Not just any soap. French soap. French soap. Maybe French soap was made out of porcupine bezoars this whole time. It'd be new. Hey. Hey. What's up, History's we'll Greatest to, Mysteries we're, on Earth? When we're done, let's call France and ask. Okay. Um, so um, and, and this one was thought to be a very potent healing agent, um, and uh, it was especially good for the stomach, um, strangely enough. So do these work? Do they work? Well, okay. There's a little bit. There's a little bit to that. Just really? A li- just a little. Oh my gosh. Just a little. I'm not saying they work, but before I tell you all the details, why don't you follow me to the billing department? Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Okay, you were telling me that there may be some sort of slight grain of truth here. So before I tell you the slight grain of truth, let me tell you when they finally started to kind of fall out of favor. Okay. When, when we realized that that all of the claims were probably not true. Probably took us too long, I'm betting, but it 
We've talked about uh, Dr. Perret from uh, from about the 1500s, who was um, a groundbreaking physician from France and a surgeon, and, and we've discussed him in, in past episodes. Mm-hmm. One em, of the em, things... Ambrose. Ambrose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Keep, we'll keep working on Ambrose. our French, and by the time we're done with this podcast someday, okay. we'll know how to say his name I'm gonna appropriately. Google, I'm going to Google it. You keep talking. I say it different every time. I think I'm always wrong. Um, I do practice. Uh, so he disproved this with an experiment that I would wager would not um, pass IRB muster today, which yeah. means like it wouldn't be allowed to happen. So in the 1500s, there was a cook in the king's court who was found to be stealing silver. And as was the fashion of the time, if you are stealing things from the king, you get sentenced to death. Right. Can't have that sort of thing. Exactly. So he was supposed to be uh, killed by hanging. Uh, however, uh, Dr. Perret interceded on his behalf and said, hey, listen, well, maybe not so much on his behalf, more on like medicine's behalf, said, hey, listen, this looks like a great opportunity for us to test out a theory. Instead of him choosing, let, let's, let's give him the option. Either we'll just go, go ahead and hang you, or instead we will give you poison and then you'll swallow a bezoar and we'll see if you live. Oh, that's so good. And if you live, you get to live. You're done. Like, you walk away scot-free. You probably don't get to still work for the king because, like, you stole the silver. But, like, you live. That's fine. Or you just, you know, you get to hang. Either way. Either way. So, this guy went for the went for the poison in the bezoar. Double or nothing. Because, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. And he lived seven hours. Hey, that's something. Better than hanging, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> know i don't know what poison it was i don't know any details yeah not a lot of poisons are like are like chill they're not like most of them aren't fun poisons not fun poisons not chill poisons by the way i said ambroise ambroise that's what google says okay we'll try to get it right from now on anyway that should have put the theory to bed once and for all of course like always of course not why let facts get in the way (laughs) that didn't stop anyone uh, they were still being used in the 1600s when there's a really interesting court case that kind of uh, surrounded around, that kind of involved a bezoar. So in 1603, there was a case, uh, Chandelure v. Lopus, which was um, a famous like British common law case that's referenced uh, because it established the rule of caveat emptor. Oh, okay. Or, you know what that means? Buy everywhere. Exactly. Thank you. I was going to let you have that one. Thanks. I appreciate it. Leave the low-hanging fruit for the village simpleton. (laughs) The story is that there was a man who went to a store or, I don't know, a tent somewhere, whatever, wherever people buy bezoars, and he bought one, and he was told that it was from an animal's stomach, probably, probably. The guy was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is is Mm. a real deal bezoar. He paid 100 pounds for it. I found that several sources documented 100 pounds, which at the time is crazy That's like a lot of money. That's crazy money back then. That's wild. So he paid 100 pounds for this bezoar. Um, It didn't work as promised. Now, I, for the life of me, I wish I had the details of this because I don't Mm. know what happened that he figured out it didn't work. I don't, it's yeah. not, I mean, it's lost to history. I don't yeah. think anybody knows for sure, but something happened. He came back and said, listen, this was fake. It's not a real Bezoar. I want my money back. Uh, they ended up in court and buyer beware. I'll tell you where the law of the land. We, we went wrong. Um, what a lot of the, like natural medicine 
dealers and non-traditional medicine dealers have learned is that if you make your prices low enough that people can just write it off as some harmless fun, you can skirt uh, a lot of heavy investigation that way for a good, lo- good long while. You, you can't charge as much for a bezoar and expect to stay in business. How much do you sell your bezoars for, honey? Me? twenty four ninety nine. Absolutely. And your satisfaction, by the way, Sydney, is guaranteed. <laughs> do you find that's the price that people are like, ah, that's fine, I'll let it's it pass. fine, whatever. 25 bucks is like, like, I think that's what you should charge for any fake thing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like a good, like if it, it's a good amount of money, because if you got 25 bucks, like, yeah, cool, I love it. But if you lost 25 bucks to a scam, you're not going to go to like the police. <laughs> not for that. <laughs> it's not worth it. You know? I don't know. $25 is a lot of nerds. Yeah, no kidding. Like absolutely. So in the in the 1600s as well, we see the introduction of um a, a, by a Dr. Semedo who was a Portuguese physician who like by the way I want to give him a little credit because he introduced quinine for malaria to Portugal. So like, cool, good, good, cool, going. good, good. That one's good. Good job. He also made like a cordial out of bezoar stones, which I just like to mention because I love the idea of like a bottle of cordial. Yeah. Because cordial always sounds very fancy and like oh, yeah. something sweet and syrupy and like yummy. And I mean, it's what like Mary Poppins gave her, her she charges, right? She has lime right? cordial, right? I don't know. Yeah. I guess she has lime cordial. That's her flavor. So that's what she said. No, she had rum punch. Rum punch. Yeah. Michael got lime She cordial. rolled her tongue. Rum, rum, punch. rum punch. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, We've watched Mary Poppins 40 times. Our <laughs> baby loves it. Uh, in the 1700s, because of all the sketchy, fake bezoars that were out there that could have been made of anything and maybe something dangerous, um, the Portuguese Jesuits actually started to make their own fake stones, except for let's not call them fake now. They're artificial. Okay. So, you know, they, there aren't enough naturally occurring bezoars to go around. We got to cook some up. We will make some artificial ones. And this is totally like they were not lying about this. We are making artificial bezoars that should work just like bezoars. But and, and it was to their credit. They did. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so they were made out of all kinds of things. They were made out of amber and musk and rubies and emeralds and like fancy things like topaz and ivory and garnet and coral. Um, also, though, dirt and also some unicorn horn and also some staghorn. Right. Um, then, like I said, this was an honest effort to try to limit the dangerous fake stones that were out there that might make people sick. Um, they called them the Goa stone. And Goa stones actually became as highly prized as real deal bezoars after a while. Yeah, because these dumb monks are stuffing them with gemstones. <laughs> this this continued until about the 1800s when we finally started to see bezoars fall out of favor. Um, and though you could still buy them, the kind of craze, uh, there was enough, you know, people believed enough by then that like, hey, we keep taking these things. People keep dying of poisoning. I don't think they're working. Interestingly... I will say this, just some, some real things about bezoars. One, they do kind of bind arsenic. Huh. Uh, the, dep- especially depending on what kinds of ones made of hair in particular. They, there's some, been some studies done that say, yeah, they may work a little bit on arsenic. Now, I don't know how That's much. ridiculous, Sydney. It's just that it has to do with exactly the, the chemical reactions that occur between the molecules, like in the, in the hairball in the arsenic but that's so wild anyway so they may a little bit now i i don't think i'd want to chance this i don't think i'd want to bet my life on you know if you have a base or and nothing and then you get arsenic poisoning it's probably worth a shot but otherwise sure sure um some other interesting basoar facts 
Uh, unripened persimmons have caused epidemics of bezoars before In among humans? humans. Yes. Wow. So you got to be really careful. Uh, apparently, don't eat unripened persimmons. And there's even a name for that. It's a diaspora bezoar. I don't think I've ever eaten persimmon, period. So unripened persimmons are not a big risk factor for me. Ooh, or maybe they are because you'd have no way of knowing if they were ripe. I'm just saying I don't eat them. Never <laughs> seen them. Don't think it's a problem. So make sure your persimmons are ripe. Uh, another um, kind of interesting fact, a, a trichobezoar, so one made of hair, can lead to something called Rapunzel syndrome, um, which is not as, you know, enchanted as, as it sounds. No. This is usually something, this is actually something I've seen before. And patients who have trichotillomania, Meaning which means that they pull their hair, hair out. They upset. Well, well, all this means is that they pull the hair out. Okay. Trichotillomania means that you obsessively pull your hair out. Um, now, some of those patients also eat that hair. Not all, but some okay. do. And then you can get, you know, a big basoir, a trichobasoir of hair in your stomach. And then if it leaves like a trail of hair that snakes all the way through the intestines from that ball of hair in the stomach, mm-hmm. that's called Rapunzel syndrome. Oh, okay. Um, and often, unfortunately, I should say, uh, a lot of these cases end up needing surgery mm. to kind of get this big blockage of, of undigestible serious. material out. Right. Well, and if it's blocking your intestines or causing you pain and nothing can move around it, you know, it can eventually even perforate or cause a hole in the intestines. So um, you can still find basoars sold. Like, as well as fake bezoars oh. and animal bezoars and all these different bezoars in some parts of the world. Again, is like almost like a supplement. Just a little something extra. Yeah. Almost in the same. I mean, I don't know. I've never checked like our local like health food I'm supplement betting, betting no. vitamin stores. Bet no, but possible. But, you know, as we have discussed before, these probably work just as well as a lot of those supplement, supplement, vitamin health food and listen folks p.o box 5400 west virginia 25706 our 10th anniversary is just around the corner this july 1st so hit us up with all your bezoars you can find please don't send bezoars please please especially don't send us homemade bezoars yeah super don't do that (laughs) um you can still see them by the way in pieces of art from ancient times you can find pieces of art that have bezoars in the middle of them because they were so highly prized Mm -hmm. um and, and like I said, they are a big deal when they happen in humans. Uh, sometimes you can dissolve them with soda, but uh, other times they need surgery. So they are a pretty big deal. And of course, because I haven't said it yet, and I know everybody, they, there are certain people who are listening and going, you haven't. Harry saved Ron's life with a bezoar when he drank that poison mead. Don't forget that. I'll never forget. Don't forget that. Uh, thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program um big exciting cool news uh for us if you live in or around uh washington dc or new york city we are coming there with my brother my brother and me and uh a- another podcast in dc it's schmanners in new york it's city's podcast still buffering uh that is going to be june 3rd in washington dc june 4th at the PlayStation Theater in New York City. Uh, the DC venue is Lincoln Lincoln Theater, Lincoln Center, something like that. Not Lincoln Center, I think Lincoln no. Hall, Lincoln Theater. Lincoln I, Theater. Lincoln, Lincoln Theater, Theater, I think. Um, and uh, you can get tickets to those by going to uh, bit.ly forward slash M B M B A M 
and then either NYC 2016 or DC 2016. So um, those tickets will actually go on sale this Friday at noon EST. So uh, don't don't sleep on that. Our, our shows tend to sell out, um, and we would love to see you if you're in the area. So um, that address again, bit.ly forward slash MBMBAM, NYC 2016 or DC 2016, depending on which show you want to get tickets to. There's probably links on our Twitter and Facebook and whatever. Yeah, yeah, there definitely are. So please, if you can come out, it'll be really fun. Three um, podcasts. It'll be a hoot and a half. Is that it? MaximumFun.org is a place for lots of other podcasts. You can go check them all totally out. Podcasts. Check them out. Check them out. Doesn't but, work as well. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Uh, but that's going to do it for us, folks. Uh, until next Wednesday, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.